Hello and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like if you had a parent who didn't just accept that you were autistic, who wouldn't even acknowledge it and just thought, oh no, my my son or daughter couldn't have a, autism. They're perfect no matter how I look at it. Well, my next guest, Danny Contour, had just that. His Korean mother wouldn't accept that he was autistic. So sit back, relax, and grab your favorite beverage, and I'll see you on the other side. See you there. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios. Today, I'm joined with Danny Contour. Welcome to the show, Danny. How's it going? Fine. So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, and we'll get going from there. All right. So um, I currently live in Orlando, Florida. I've been here for 10 years. Um, I went to UCF, which is here in Orlando, about 30 minutes away from where I am. And I am a content creator. Uh, slash media production person, if whatever term you want to call it. And I've been doing that for the past eight plus years. And it actually all happened by accident, actually. Um, I It's all started at a pool party um, because I wasn't using my camera for making comedy skits. And after taking pictures of people, uh, everybody started tagging me in their Instagram photos. And I thought this was pretty cool. And uh, I've been kind of doing that ever since. <laughs> All right. Now, you and when were you diagnosed with autism? Okay, so um, that's one thing that I was missing. You know, I guess I was answering something else, but I was diagnosed with autism in sixth grade. Um, however, my parents, I, well, not my parents. It was more of my dad and my aunt actually recognized the signs of Asperger's when I was like two years old because my aunt saw something on sixty Minutes and uh, about. Asp well, you know, what was called Asperger's at the time, which if I offend anybody, I apologize. But at the time, it was called Asperger's. And so um, and so when she saw the documentary, she went to my dad and uh, went, I think Danny has autism or, you know, has Asperger's. And so my mom being from Korea, she th that word does not exist over there. So she was like, no, no, my my baby is perfect. Uh, he doesn't have this. Well, you know, that's typical mom answer. But um, unfortunately, it wasn't after it wasn't until after she passed that I got formally diagnosed. And um, actually, I got re-diagnosed about a couple of years ago. So, um, yeah, that's that's how it all started for me. So your mom, your birth mother didn't believe in autism. Correct. Or, no. you know, that's that's my way of putting it. So. Is there any kind of was there any kind of support for autism in Korea? Not at all. In fact, actually, recently I saw a documentary about how people on the spectrum in Korea are usually lulled into slavery work. You know, sometimes on sea salt uh, farms and like uh, seaweed farms as well. So um, that was scary to see. No, I mean. Now back to your your aunt and your father and seeing the signs in you. That's kind of funny because that's kind of how my parents found out about me. I was tell me about your story, huh? I was saying, tell me about your story. I was unofficially diagnosed in my twenties. My really? cousin, who was a family lawyer, 
And I had another cousin who was a college psychiatrist and another one who was a psychologist all saw the traits in me. Like and they what? Told my, and they all told my parents, I think Reed's got high functioning autism. Hmm. And that kind of put, put off a, a light bulb above their head. And it kind of explained things because there are stories they tell me I don't remember. Like there are stories of me taking apart my parents, my father's tools and putting them back together just to see how they work. Interesting. So I don't remember any of that. Yeah. One of the things that my aunt told me that I did or, you know, told my father that I did was I lined all my toys in a straight line. That could be a little bit of OCD. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. But now when, that you was... were, now when you were diagnosed, did things kind of like light up for you? Like, oh, wow, this makes sense why I, I'm doing this, this, and this. So it's funny you mentioned that um, because not that I knew beforehand. However, my parents kind of could figure out that something was different about me because I was 10 years old on a cruise ship. And then, you know, there was that talent show that all the kids did. And so uh, what I did was I did two verbatim reenactments of a scene from the Grim Adventures of Billy Mandy and the Simpsons. And so, yeah. And so, you know, everybody got first place, but you know, me, I acted those things out fully and all my, and both my parents were like, "Uh Oh, something's different about Danny. And so um, I guess that kind of was one telltale sign uh, beforehand. But then after, but then when it came to the actual initial reaction, I honestly, it's like no offense to the community, but I was a little bit, not mortified, but I was like, this is significant because I guess, you know, kids being jerks, you know, when I heard autism, I, you know, what from what I've seen, I saw autism as related to, people, you know, that are seen as other. And I thought I would be seen as other. You thought, you know, go yeah, ahead. I mean, when people think autism back in the day, they think Rain Man, they think level two or level three, those who can't communicate or function in society or those who are savants, but with a child mentality. Exactly. And uh, so usually when I told some people, um, you know, of course, like initially in middle school, everybody was laughing at the fact that it was called Asperger's, you know, ha ha ha, ass. And um, I think South Park even made an episode about like Carmen, you know, making burgers from his butt as well. But um, I thought that was funny. But um, yeah, that initial reaction. In fact, actually, um, I've never had a relationship because when I was diagnosed, one of my thoughts was no girl is ever going to want to date someone disabled. So that kind of killed my self-esteem for like 16 years, including throughout college. And it wasn't until recently that I realized, oh, that's a bunch of BS. It is a bunch of BS because there are tons of girls out there who are just like us, who have autism who would love to date somebody. I mean, have you ever watched the show Love on the Spectrum? Who has who in this who in the community hasn't at this point? Me. Oh, really? I've watched bits and pieces of it. I've actually auditioned for it too. Really? Yeah, um I auditioned. Well, now one call it auditioned, interviewed for it. Okay. My life my autism life coach has connections and they know some of the people and even I interviewed a friendship and relationship coach 
who work with the talent agent and the woman who wrote the show epic the show and a <clears> lot of their clients are on were on the show as well so so it's more of a get to know you type of thing they ask a little bit about you they they want to know what your term definition of love is what are you looking for in a relationship got it and so forth Got it. Actually, I made it kind of a joke that um, speaking of dating shows, I made it kind of a joke that I should one day apply to be on The Bachelorette because, you know, I I don't think they've had an autistic contestant yet. So I think I would be the first and kind of, you know, mess up the show a little bit. I think it'd be funny. <laughs> it would be kind of funny. Now, do um, you have, now, do you have ADHD as well? I can't remember my diagnosis. I, I've heard, you know, I've listened to what it's like having ADHD and I believe I had that, but I don't want to be a self-diagnoser. So for, so until I find the record of it, I'm going to say no. Okay. Now, how do you handle getting overstimulated? Uh, that's a good question. So it's like when I do get overstimulated, it isn't just like it's all in my brain. Like I physically feel it. Like I feel it at a tightness kind of constricting me like a bow constrictor almost. Mm-hmm. like on like on a mouse um that's a good question well i've i went through like a two-year bout where i uh meditated and i've been kind of off it which i'm guilty to say that you know life came out its way but anyway um i just do some heavy breathing to kind of just calm myself down a little bit and then i kind of just allow myself to sit and i and which you know being in corporate america it's kind of go 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 but if i just allow myself to sit and be okay with it, it helps. All right. What are some ways that you deal with uh, getting all jittery, as my dad would say? Oh, God. When I get hyper, I, like, squeeze my feet and toes. I I know how to read my body. When I'm, like, overtired, I try to, like, breathe to relax myself so I don't get over tense. Mm -hmm. I've only had, like, one meltdown in my entire life. And that's when I went off to school. We're at the airport, and like this is right after 9-11. Uh, and you're only allowed, and we get to the airport, and the guy at the desk goes, you're only allowed one, you're only allowed one parent with you at the gate. And I'm, I'm like, nope, I'm autistic. I need both. And my parents are like, but he's autistic. And they're like, uh, I'm sorry. These are the rules now. My mom's like, I'd like to talk to a manager. And everything just is coming at me. I got sounds. I got lights. I got anxiety, stress, excitement. Airports are already stressful enough. Yeah. And then I just break down into tears and I can't stop crying. And finally, my father says, your mother will go with you. And the guy at the desk says, there is a wall, a clear wall with a revolving door and a guard. You can sit on the other side of the wall. Well, the gate, and you can still see him go. So my mom and I go to the gate. My dad goes around and goes on the other side, sits down. My mom's talking to my father on the phone. I'm crying. She's like, I'm going to go into the store, get your father a paper and some gum. <laughs> and I'm talking to my phone and my dad, and I'm crying. And my dad's like, would you stop crying? You're making a fool of yourself. And my dad doesn't understand what's going on at this time. And my mom comes out with the gum in the paper and she puts it in the revolving door, pushes it and my dad goes again and he falls on his butt. 
So between tears, I'm laughing. Security guard comes over, helps him up. And just then the gate call comes on and it's like a light switch. I stop crying and I'm back to normal. I give my mom a hug and a kiss goodbye and I get on and I walk on and I board the plane. Got it. Now, do you have any hypersensitivities to sound, smells, or taste? Um, definitely not to sound because I've actually I one time stood in the front row of an EDM concert and those Ugh. those speakers are blaring. But um, I don't see. Whenever I hear the, you know, it's only recently that I've started to delve deeper into knowing more about autism. So like, I'm actually trying to think if like any of these, um. I can't think of any smells or tastes that like stick out to me as like bad, but like, for example, well, I guess this is an example. I not the biggest fan of seafood because I can still taste the saltiness of the ocean in it. Mm. I mean, it could be, it could be spiced. It could be oiled over, you know, burnt, but I will still taste the ocean. And yeah, it's like with me, I have a sensitivity in hearing we can be it, my mom can have her phone in her purse and we can be in a loud place and I can hear her phone ring. That's nuts. I've had two phone air doctors tell me I have incredible hearing for someone my age. Which is great because um uh because at twenty eight and all the nightclub that all the nightclubs that I've uh, worked at, uh my hearing is starting to go, I feel like. And then I have a, almost a um, sensitivity in smell, like things like cigarette smell, pot smell, make me really, really, really nauseous. Do you experience that a lot in Chicago? A lot of smoking in the area because I like, even when I was traveling around in Europe, a lot of people smoke and it just, the smell just made me sick. Got it. What was your favorite place in Europe? Oh, God, there were so many places. I traveled through Europe. Um, I love Greece. Greece. Uh, what about it do you love? The people, the antiquities, the old and the new, the food. I bet. Although, unfortunately, Mediterranean food gives me heartburn. It's still really good. I'll still eat it. <laughs> I just need Tums on me that, uh, when I do. But um, I'm a huge ancient history buff, so I know I'd love Greece. So um, I'm got. So I'm jealous that you've been, but I know one day I'll make it there. I'll make you a deal. You, okay. you get some money saved up. You and I will travel together. I'll let you know. That would be fun. You're here, folks. And All right. So you said you have a friend. How hard was it to, for you to make friends? I will say I didn't know. I didn't fully learn how to have friends until – college so it's like i had acquaintances that i've you know i've even had birthday parties and you know people and acquaintances in my classes that i invited to them but i never i don't talk to anybody from middle school you know ever you know just on my own free time you know if i run into them just here in orlando or back in south florida where i'm from uh of course i'll say hi be cordial and whatnot but you know there's nothing really binding there like my first friends i will say uh was when i joined my fraternity at ucf and um I will say that um, those are the guys that I, I even speak to now, and it's and for some of those guys, I've known them for this year will be ten years. All right. 
Um, tell me, why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast? Okay, so my podcast. So, oh, it's a, a camera, but this is my podcast right here called Big DK Energy. It's uh, my initials are DK, so I decided to be cheeky with it, and uh, I bring on cool individuals like yourself um, onto the show to teach us to teach us, aka me and my audience, about a subject that I know that you're knowledgeable in, and it's through and it's through finding out more about that person and more about that subject. That's what gives that guest big DK energy. All right. So, uh, and as you know, as a fellow podcaster, making a podcast is super daunting. What exactly got you um, wanting to make one? Oh, that's an interesting story into itself, actually. I got time. Um, We talked about me going to school, right? So Mm -hmm. coming home, I couldn't find work. So mom's like, I don't want you sitting around doing nothing. Why don't you volunteer? So we talked about me volunteering and losing those positions. And then after I lost my second position, my mom's like, you know, you ought to start a blog because you have so much to share with the world. You've traveled across Europe. You've gone to school in the UK. You have so much life experience to share with everyone out there. Oh, wait, you went to college in in Britain? Yes, I went to the University of Kent in Canterbury, England. Oh, that's so cool. For my master's degree. Oh, uh, what's your master's in? Advanced computer science, computational intelligence. Got it. I can barely make it past the if and loops. Well, I totally forgot everything I learned. Okay, sweet. So we're on the same level then. Yeah. I think it's the... uh, I think it's the uh, ADHD in me where my mom's like, you gotta... You got to keep doing what you do in order to keep it in front. If you stop doing what you've learned, you lose it because other stuff takes its place. That's fair. But uh, you were saying um, you were coming back. You blog about your life experiences. I started blogging because I couldn't because I lost my job and I realized my blog wasn't getting the traction I needed. Those on those who are listening to it and subscribing were getting putting in funny emails hmm. and or bouncing back. And I just said, listen, if you're not going to subscribe, please don't put in funny emails. Just bookmark the page. But my numbers weren't rising. I was I get some some great comments, but I wasn't getting over 100 views. So I started thinking about podcasting because it could open up the voice. People can see the sincerity. And then I started to do it on my own before a guest. And this is right when I started taking Adderall and I wound up having such anxiety that my chest just felt tight and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't breathe. So I asked my life coach what I should do. And he's like, you know, you should start with a guest. And then the more guests you have, the more easier it's going to become to the point where you're able to do it on your own. So I just started rolling. And then I started with the original name of my uh, website was Asperger's Zone. And then my show, my podcast was called Inside the Asperger Studio. And I thought, you know, why don't I just change the name of my, my domain to Asperger Studio? Okay. So they both 
go inside, collide with each other. So after a while, then I'm like, you know, I had an idea that I, part of my blog was I wanted to travel and talk to people all over the world to tell their stories of autism and how they deal with it. That's pretty. That's a pretty neat goal, I will say. So I said, you know, I'm going to have another show. I called it Stories. And Stories is more where I talk to those who have amazing stories to share. And it's in the form of inside the the actor studio. You're like the James Lipton and all that? Yeah. I Do you ask 20, people what kind I of... Tr- my own 27 questions and I ask the famous ending questions. Nice. I've only had two people like not answer the last few questions like, um, what do you, um, when you die, what do you want to hear God say to you? And the and one woman's like, I refuse to answer that on my religious belief. Oh, and then another woman just said, I refuse to answer it. Okay. Like, okay. And so those two shows started and then I had another show I have called the reading room, which is more, my personal beliefs and things and what's going on. And then I have a show I called check-in, which is just a check-in to, for those who are autistic to check in with them and make sure that you've gotten up, gotten dressed, drank something, said hello to their family and so on. So they know somebody's out there looking out for them. That's a, you're a mensch for that. I hope you know that. Which, if you're not familiar, mentions a Yiddish word for a great guy, which Reed absolutely is. All right. So, how, who do you look up to that has helped you with your autism and everything? Do you have like a mentor? Actually, I do. I don't speak to him very often, but ironically, he's another. Jewish guy named Danny with Asperger's. His name is Danny Rady. He is uh, the founder of Inside uh, Asperger Experts. He is he is a coach himself, and he has courses and retreats that help individuals mm-hmm. on the spectrum. In fact, he started another company. I believe it's called Wonder Rock, or it's not Wonderless. It's Wonder Rock, I think. And essentially, he uh, he uh, creates trips uh, for individuals on the spectrum. However. Uh, they go to foreign places. For example, he either an upcoming trip or one that passed uh, was one to Japan. So that's pretty neat. So uh, even though that he and I don't talk like an everyday basis and I ask for him for advice, uh, he loves Disney. So even though he lives out in California, he comes to Orlando, which is where I live. And so um, we always meet up and talk and just catch up on life. And so uh, I guess that's, I guess he's the closest person I would say and then, you know, my parents have done everything they can to help me with my journey. So not that they are neurodivergent, but I'm grateful for them and everything that they've done to help me learn more about being neuro- neurodivergent, if that makes sense. It does. I mean, I'm pretty familiar with him. I mean, he's taught, I've listened to some of their videos and he's taught me about um, what happens when an autistic person is being yelled at we go into our shell i've kind of explained why whenever i've gotten in trouble why i've become so quiet all of a sudden and i don't say anything i've gone into my shell at that point 
that's that's how I am too. So you know, you're not alone in that. What about you? Who are uh, who's your who's your life coach? Because I've never heard of an autistic life coach. Well, you know, Danny's like a mentor to me, but you know, I never heard of a specific autistic life coach. So um, um, there is an organ. She runs a um. She run. Her name is Jacqueline Smith. Jacqueline Hunt, and she runs a uh, life coach service called ASD Life Coaches. And she's got a bunch of life coaches and my life coaches, his name is Francesco and he's great. I mean, he's the one who's helped me with everything about my autism and helped me understand my goals, helped me understand the direction I wanted to go with my podcast. Uh, how long have you been working with Francesco? Over a year. Nice. Nice. Now you had mentioned that there is no such thing as autism in Korea. Or, you know, I think it's or if if it is, it's like it's like been used like twice since the word was founded, if that makes sense. All right. Have you ever had a meltdown? Not one that I can remember, if anything, or if I did or if it was a meltdown, I didn't see it as one. All right. But um, yeah. All right. Now, what was school like for you in Florida? Did you uh, have the help you needed with your autism? Did they give you special help? So I feel kind of bad saying this, but I think it was my own hubris and ego that told me you don't need any help. You know, it just so happens that you have autism, Danny, but you don't need any extra help. And if you do, you'll be seen as other and weak. So don't do it. I'm like, and so I go, okay. I mean, I was able to, uh, B. I was able to get A's and B's. I was able to complete homework assignments on time. I would be able to, it wasn't until like later, it wasn't until later high school and college that I actually learned how to speak with peers rather than just, you know, oh, we did the same homework. Uh, can you help me with this one problem? All right. Yeah. Um, let's see. You said you mentioned you had friends. Mm-hmm. How are you, were you able to keep these friends and do they understand that you have autism that if you say something, you don't mean it? Um, I will say that. Um, so with my friends, they've kind of already gotten to know me as a person. So like, they've already like come to accept my antics and you know, the fact that I'm different from most of their friends, I will say um, one probably understands it a little bit more because his brother is autistic, mm-hmm. but his brother is a different flavor of autism. So uh, so it's like, I don't know if he'll be able to understand fully, but he can at least appreciate where I'm coming from, but he still doesn't treat me any different. In fact, my stepmom was telling me that, you know, she didn't want me to feel different growing up because I had an autism diagnosis. So I was kind of thrown, whatever my siblings were thrown at, I was thrown at too. So, um, you know, without any accommodation or anything, I'm just like, I'm just gonna have to figure it out. Otherwise it's gonna, uh, eat me up and spit me out. Now, have you ever told your father, you know, because I'm autistic, that means it could be you too. Cause it's hereditary. <laughs> um, I've never brought it up to my dad or even brought up the possibility that my dad could possibly be autistic. Cause I, based on what I've seen, I don't think that's, I don't think that's the case, but, um, I don't know where it came from in my family because, so far, I'm the only one that I know who hasn't. All right. Now, this term has been brought up to me, and it's a very distant term. A lot of people like it. What do you think of the new, instead of neurodivergent, what do you think of the term neurodistinct? This is my fi- first time hearing of it. Um, hmm. 
Hmm, neurodistinct. I think it's new. I don't think it's if that is the new term, I don't have a problem using it, but I don't want people to attack me for saying neurodivergent. It's like it's it's all the same words to convey the same message. However, uh, unfortunately, words have power. And so some are going to get hit a little harder than most. And so I feel like if some are offended by neurodivergent, you know, if, you know, you're allowed to have your own opinion. But at the same time, you know, neurodistinct. Yeah, I can see that being used. But just like I said, don't get butt hurt if I say anything else. And finally, where can people find out more about you and your podcast? Um, you can find me about, sorry, you can find out more about me and my podcast at my at Instagram or TikTok. It's both at Big DK Energy Podcast. Uh, my YouTube, you could just look it up that way. And uh, that's, uh, those are all the channels that I have up right now. I don't have a Patreon or anything like that. So, yeah. And that's it, ladies and gentlemen. That was Danny Contour. And remember... We're different, not less. I'll talk to you in the next one. See you there. See ya. You and I were hiding in our rooms while the sky burned. Getting high off of the fumes, feeling like the bombs outside of flowers. Through the glass as the moon came Body, soul, and hands feeling truly